Welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Welcome to another episode of UCYP. I'm your host, Megan. And I'm not Megan. I'm Tim. <laughs> you are Tim. You're definitely not a Megan. I, uh, I could be. <laughs> You could. I could be. Listen yeah, to my that's voice. True. I'm Megan. <laughs> I don't think you have. Is that mocking you? Uh, you, need, you need a little bit All more right, I apologize. Midwest accent, I Mid- think. I'm Megan. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work either. No. Okay, move on. <laughs> uh, so, what's up, man? So, I um, did the invisible box challenge. I have no idea what that is. Oh my gosh. Okay. So everybody that's listening, um, we need to help Megan with this. So basically what it is, is like, there's no box. You like reach down, like you pretend like you're touching it and you put your foot up on it and you like step over it, but it really looks like you're stepping on something that's solid. So (laughs) I have a new one. Mine's the ball. Okay. So (laughs) I was trying to be funny and I was trying to come up with one because my daughter is fascinated by the box thing. Okay. And so I was like, so I didn't let her see it. And mm-hmm. nobody knows this, but now the world does what I'm about to say. <laughs> yes. So I did the invisible ball. <laughs> so do, you I have wanted a vi- to, do you have a video? How could I video myself doing this? I don't know. Unless you could have given it to Eden. You could have been like, hey, No, Eden, this was this. like me trying to prep for it. Oh, okay. So this is like in the privacy of my own privacy. <laughs> Okay, so I put my foot, I was like, all right, so I'm going to do like this. But you know the ball, like, you know those, like, remember that you sit on them, like people oh, yeah. would sit at their desk, and yeah. then like an ab, you can uh-huh. do ab workouts yeah, and David all that Yeah, David has stuff. one of those still. Yeah, he does. He sits on that. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, so I did the, like, press down thing, and I went, and I was like, okay, so how can I figure out how I could do this, like, step, and almost like, because it's a ball. Right. It's not a square or a box. Mm-hmm. So you got to show it has some give. It's inflatable. Mm-hmm. And it rolls. But you don't fall off of it. Right. So I did the whole thing. I stepped and I put my foot down. And when my heel hit the ground, I hit my heel hit the ground. And then I went backwards. So I think the whole front part of the move was good. <laughs> I went backwards and I backed all the way up. It was like, do, 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 do. And, I, and it was bam, <laughs> into the wall that was behind me. <laughs> and so, so you failed the challenge. Yeah. But then my daughter <laughs> asked me, "What, Papa, what was that noise? And so I didn't want to tell her. Right. Because I have to perfect this move. Correct. Because I'm going to counter, that's my goal, the box challenge. <laughs> you're going to be like, I see. With the air ball. The box challenge. Yeah. And I raise you. One more challenge. <laughs> but I got to get to where you can step. Your foot goes down slightly like mm-hmm. it's going into something and then you step off of it. Or right. you kind of show you roll a little bit. <laughs> so that, I'm adding some other elements that I don't think I really completely thought out. Before I tried it. Yeah. Please just film it whenever it happens. Yeah. And do not try that at home (laughs) because I'm a non-professional stunt driver that was doing this. So anyways, so that's what was going on and that was on my mind. 
And I wanted to kind of share that with you. Cool. And I did that last night. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't work. And so I didn't get to show it yet. Yeah. But if I do get this nailed, mm-hmm. I'm putting it on the interwebs. Okay. So all you young professionals out there, challenge taken? Challenge yes. accepted. Yeah, I want someone yeah. to do something else. Yeah, like, do something. Yeah, crazy. do something else. Like do like <laughs> you know make yours like water. Yeah, you like know? pogo stick. Yeah, where you can like yeah pogo. Oh, that would be incredible. Yeah, they step on it. They go up in the air <laughs> without anything being there and like yeah. freak people out. Yeah. Like it's like a mind. What is that guy's name? Chris Angel. Yeah, that mind, mind freak. freak guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, where it's like <gasps> what just happened? <laughs> you know. So, anyways. We had a great conversation with um, Mary, and this has nothing to do with her, what I just talked about. No, it doesn't. So Mary Wilson, she is just a really cool young professional here in uh, the Greenville, South Carolina area. But she's actually, um, by the time we air this, uh, she will be up in Asheville. Which is a cool place. It is very cool. She is the engagement editor of AVL Today, which is a daily news um, email that's delivered right to your inbox where they curate information about all the things that are going on um, around your local area. So Asheville, obviously, will be the one that she's building. And she's going up there to build it. And, you know, it doesn't launch till February. So she'll be up there for a few months working on it before it goes live. Yeah. And, you know, I hate hitting things or having things hit my inbox. I hate it. But, man, they're the GVL, which Mm -hmm. she's been a part of, the Greenville, Mm -hmm. excuse me, today thing, like that comes in. It's like it's laid out well. The headlines get your attention, mm-hmm. like, and you just want to click. And it's like, as long as I used to think that you don't want something to be too long, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, sometimes you get those things in your inbox, and it's like, you know, I don't know, two pages worth right. of somebody writing text. But for them, it's like snapshots, grab mm-hmm. what you want, read what you want to read, blah, blah, blah. And it's laid out. And even though it's long, I find myself going back and into it. Like mm-hmm. I just keep drilling. Yeah. What's next? What's next? They have it broken into categories, all that stuff. So um, that was like a big deal for me when I first, you know, engaged it. It's grown. It's tremendous. And then we met her. Um, we actually had, was it lunch? Yeah. We had, we had lunch, lunch with, with her, her. Uh, sometime back. And um, and then when we had this interview with her today, that w- which was really cool. And then hearing her, you know, where she's going next. Mm-hmm. And But here's what's cool that got me. It was like, she is, and I'm an analog soul. So I like digital. I mean, you know, I'm, I use all technology. Um, you know, Megan, you know, in the studio here, we have so much equipment and gear and I love it. But that analog stuff is so great. But what I really like is she's got a lot of analog heart mm-hmm. in her. She appreciates like traditional things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, but I also believe in, in progressing them and, but seeing her like, here's this young, gifted, talented individual that like appreciates, you know, what's been done Mm -hmm. is willing to learn, listen, grow with it and then advance it. And then also not just being in love with quote unquote journalism or social media or any channelism, but our channels, but just this. She has this thing to understand. She recognizes that we all have biases, mm-hmm. but she likes the purity of journalism, but also 
you know, the, she appreciates like really helping to set a direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was really cool to hear that from her. That really struck me as core and central. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I really liked uh, in talking with Mary is, you know, we have, we've had a lot of conversations on our UC Uphill Conversations podcast with people who talk about aligning passion with purpose. And what I love is with her, based on the influence from her dad growing up, she is somebody who has always been really committed to figuring out how to make her passion turn that into her vocation so that, you know, you don't work a a day of your life, not a day of your life is work. But it's so funny that she says that because she recognizes and has recognized even at a young age, the value of having, putting in a lot of effort and hard work to get to that point. So it's not just like, oh, I found my passion. Now let me find out what I can do so I can work in that. She said, I know what my passion is. I know how to get there to align it to what I want to do. And she's worked incredibly hard to get herself there. And as a student of people for myself, like I watch people all the time. Now I'm not like formally trained in anything like this, but I just pay attention to people. And like, for, you know, you're going to hear her as a listener. You're going to hear her voice and all that stuff. But like just watching her body language, mm-hmm. her eye contact, her ability to do that, the way she sits, her posture, like everything about her to me was like she's truly engaged. She's like and like you can tell it's real and it's true. And I was like very touched by that mm-hmm. because we need more of that in the world. We just need a lot. I mean, a lot more of it. And I, I'm just. I'm excited to know that she is an example for my generation, her own generation, and those that are even coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So we know that you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation with Mary. Uh, remember that you can find us on social media. We're at the UCYP on Instagram and on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations. And you can always connect with Tim and I at our website, ucyp.co. We would love to hear from you. Um, if you have a chance, rate and review the show. Share it with your friends. We would love uh, for more people to hear the great content that we're putting out. So without any further delay, let's jump into this wonderful conversation with Mary Wilson. Welcome to the show, Mary. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and how you're showing up in the world? Yeah, so I am currently the engagement editor for ABL Today. Um, ABL Today is the new sister publication for Greenville Today. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this in Greenville, you have heard of that. It's a daily publication all about everything to do in Greenville, things to know, etc. Um, and we have grown to be in Columbia and Charleston and now Asheville. So I'm leaving the Greenville market to start the AVL one, um, which I'm super excited about. Um, I'm from Colorado originally, moved here in April 2016. Um, just kind of wanted to get out of Colorado and explore um, outside of my roots. And I've always been really passionate about journalism and media. Um, and so I'm super excited to be able to be working, you know, in innovative media every day. Um, I also am really into running and volunteering. I volunteer at a literacy center. Um, yeah, it's kind of who I am. Awesome. So tell our listeners, um, because we do have people who listen, actually some in Colorado, but all throughout um, the U.S. and even abroad. So if you could tell them a little bit about 
GVL today and, um, you know, the whole, I know you're in different markets, but tell them what's different about you guys and kind of how you're disrupting uh, traditional print media. Yeah. So the objective of um, our sister, or I mean, our parent publication is called 6AM City, um, and that is over all of the different markets. Um, it is really a um, a new form of media in the sense that it comes to your inbox every day, your email inbox, and it tells you everything you need to know in the sense that it curates the news. So instead of having to go to a daily newspaper and a TV station and listen to the radio to get your news, we do all that for you and then package it into one email for you every day. We also create original content every day. It could be anything from you know the best tacos in town to tackling gentrification. It's really the whole gamut of anything you'd wanna know. Um, and then we also do things like events, um, news notes, you know, little blips that you need to know. And the thought is that we can educate you to start your day as informed as possible. Um, and we want to make it easy for you to get the news. Um, in this day and age, everyone's so busy. Um, no one has time to go and read everything that they want to. And so we want to make that the most efficient way possible. Um, and it also, you know, kind of helps other media around us in the sense that we um, link out to other publications we're not going to give you, you know, 2,000 words on one subject, but they will. Um, so it's kind of working in correlation with the other media in the um, in the area. So it really is media made for the busy person, the young person. Um, and I think that in general, digital media that comes straight to you in an inbox form um, and that's personalized for your market is, you know, really uh, the future that we'll see media be sustainable um, past whatever happens to print you know I'm, I'm really curious because i um you know i i know a lot of people that are kind of old school journalists like because i feel like journalism has changed and too many people are it's turning into opinion pieces which op-eds are op-eds but when it comes to journalism would you say that you're how do you view yourself when it comes to that because a lot of people what they do is they gravitate towards the thing that they naturally feel and then they present it from that way. Do you view yourself as a journalist that likes both sides of a story, right, when you're doing that? So even with Asheville Today, like AVL Today and what you're going to be doing with it, like is it going to be more to elevate one particular voice or are you more of a purist that believes journalism should, you know, represent, you know, what's being said and saying, here, let people make decisions on that. Yeah. So it's really a mixture of all of the above, um, as I feel like media needs to be in the modern day. Um, since there are so many voices out on social media, it's really hard to say that you're not going to um, include other voices. So what our objective is, is to um, elevate the community voice. You know, we want people to join the conversation just like they would on social media. Um, people can, you know, write their own pieces and submit them to us and we will publish those. Um, we really are active on social media in the sense of asking questions on letting people tell their opinion on social media, then elevating those into our newsletter. Um, additionally, though, when it comes to straight news, we're super um, unbiased and that's how I want to be. Um, there's room for community collaboration and for elevating those voices, but you also don't want to lose credibility, you know, by not being totally objective and neutral when it comes to, you know, the hard subjects like politics and the economy and things like that. Um, so in this day and age, I think that 
it's really important to be all of the above. Um, and this, especially for our product, um, part of our product is social media, part of it's writing, part of it's even marketing, you know, making sure that we're growing and new people can, you know, explore our product. Um, it's really hard anymore, even if you are in a daily paper, to just be a writer. Um, I came from being in a daily paper, and you know my role was everything from writing to editing to doing headlines to SEO to doing social media to creating maps and graphics and videos. Um, you cannot be be a one stop. You can't. You can't be a one. A turnkey solution. Yeah, like right. you have to be a one-stop shop for everything now because mm. um, that's just the way that the market is. Um, there's not a lot of room for, um, you know, purely print journalists that only work on basketball pieces. Right. You kind of can't do that anymore in this market or you're right. not going to survive in the, right. in the media world. Right. You have to have some diversification too. You got to be able to step into other arenas and be able to understand the subject, listen well, yeah, and and then be able to share and write in a way that people can actually still feel, you know, they're connected to it, um, mm -hmm. even emotionally, mentally, the cognitive stuff, but also just just help to move it along because you, there's no longer what is it? It's like specialization. Way back in the day, like you were specialized in this one thing, yeah, and that's all you did. And those people are still really important in the sense that you know. What we do is kind of an extreme version of doing everything because we have, you know, one day, like I said, I could write a fluffy lifestyle piece and the next day it could be hard news. Um, and we're also running our social media. We also, you know, to do um, other types of content that you would not normally, you know, see. You know, we've done things like take buildings in Greenville and vote on your favorite one. That would not happen in daily newspaper. Um, although you can't. Although I think that, you know, specialized journalists in some senses are actually more important now than ever. They just can't be, um, you know, only in one genre. So as an example, you know, podcasts are really, really popular right now. And a lot of the reason why is I think because since media is so, um, you know, just small bites of news and are... Um, you know, you're not reading a 2,000 word piece every day in the New York Times. That just, I think that our daily lifestyle, you know, especially for young people, doesn't allow that. Mm -hmm. um, people can turn into podcasts and learn something in depth. Um, there's also, you know, like I follow some apps, you know, called like Long Form, um, which lets you read, you know, it curates long form journalism. And if you have a few extra, you know, 10, 12, 15 minutes, you can read a long piece that you wouldn't normally consume, you know, on Facebook. Um, and I think that that's really important too, because since everything is so soundbitey now, we kind of miss that really long form right. journalism. And so someone that is an expert on, you know, a certain kind of bug might be really, really valuable when something, I don't know, something happens about the bug and then you need to know more about it. That person will really shine at that point. Or something like, you know, um, with conflicts going on internationally right now. I know that I've been seeking out to know more about those. And so experts in that field are really, really important right now. Um, because you can read a little snippet on, I mean, even in AVL Today, you know, we might hold that as a news note, but you want to know more. And so we can't provide that. Um, and so having long firm and, you know, really in-depth journalism is still really important. And just comes in a different way, not in your daily life. You know, it's kind of more seek out. Right. I'm curious if we can back up because I love what you said because I'm more of a, you know, I'm just an analog person, right? I love digital and, but I'm an analog. Everything I do is analog, right? So I like the, I like the purity of vinyl 
And I can hear the difference because as an audiophile and being a musician and I traveled for a long time doing music, um, I know the difference between tube warmth and then what is software simulation. I can tell, but now the software is getting so good. It can mimic it. Right. But I'm still an analog guy. I like, I don't like making a playlist, which is fine. Everybody has their preferences. I like, I'm like the guy that like, will buy the whole album. I'm just going to get a song and I'm going to listen to the whole body of work and how they place those songs in order. Right. So kind of like for me, like that's how I am. But at the same time, I can't force my way of listening to, Megan, she may want to jump all over the place or to you, right? Um, so with that, I like what you said about your, you try, you have to be unbiased in how you're reporting. It, would you say that you're naturally that way or is it what you've learned and what you love about journalism that helped you? Like which one is, which, which one led the way to that, to where you're saying some things I may give my opinion, but in the most part, I'm going to report. I can't just do it that way. Is it just the love of journalism or do you feel like naturally that already aligns with you to be yeah. a, not an, un, to be an unbiased individual? So I think naturally no one is completely unbiased, right? Um, which is, you know, obvious. Everyone has their own opinions and the way that they see the world. Um, I think, though, I have a natural want to be that, you know, neutral voice um, because, you know, I, I, I want people... I want to pertain to the largest audience possible. And you definitely don't do that if you are super one way or super the other way. Um, you isolate half of your readers in that sense, especially if you're talking about politics. Um, so, you know, when it comes to things that are very serious, I really do um, just have like a strong principle that I want to be sure that I am giving the information out because I really value being able to provide information to people um, and you don't want to isolate half your readers. Um, on the other hand, when it comes to things, you know, like um, I wrote a recent article about um, fast casual food in Greenville where I didn't feel like there was like enough fast casual. Like I'm, you know, from Colorado where there's Qdoba and Canes and like all of these they're chain places, but, you know, they're good to grab a bite to eat. And here, you know, it's kind of like you have to choose. Um, in some senses from a sit down restaurant fast food. So I wrote like, I, why is this, you know, why do we not have more fast casual in Greenville? Um, and that was opinionated um, in the sense of, I want to start the conversation in that. And, you know, I had like a hundred emails back in my inbox, you know, people saying like, I love this restaurant. I love this. Like you're so on point or, you know, I don't like what you said. Um, but that started the conversation in a super positive way to, in order to like create change. Um, and I think that that's where, being non totally unbiased is important, especially in our product, because we do want to start conversations on social media and around the internet in order to have people be able to have a voice. Mm -hmm. Just that voice has to be in a sense that's um, not on a topic where we isolate people and show people that we don't have, they can't trust us anymore. So it's kind of knowing when to have that voice and when not to. Yeah. And I, I think that that's really powerful to go into something knowing that not everyone is going to necessarily agree with you or like what you're saying, but you feel a certain way. So you want to start a conversation about it. Um, I want to go back to you mentioned that you used to work for a daily paper. And I'm I'm just curious, as a young professional in this industry, obviously, that's seen just a ton of change. How have you worked with veterans within the industry and kind of what have you learned from those people that have come before you, but what also have you been able to teach them? Yeah. So working in a daily paper before I went to a startup, that was, you know, the average age of the place I work now, I think is like 27, um, which is a lot different than you get at a daily paper. So it was really valuable for me to work at a daily paper first. Um, that way I don't just have like blinders on to only have one perspective. Um, so working with veteran journalists is interesting because um, I think that 
and this is all just generalizing, but, you know, they are more like journalistic purists where the headline should just say exactly what the article's about um, rather than, you know, I kind of see it in the lens of it doesn't matter if the no one's going to see the article if they don't click on the headline. So you kind of have to have one before the other, right? The headline has to get people into the article if they're going to click on Facebook. No, I love that. I'm not one of those people. I, I say that all the time. It's yeah. like that statement across the top, capture me. You know what I mean? And, yeah, but and make me, yeah. lead me into like, wh- where could this go versus it's exactly the. Yeah. And in, in, in some cases, you know, having a very literal headline is really important. Um, although I think that, you know, veteran journalists, um, they're, they're trained and this is not of their own fault. Um, but if you've been in a newsroom for 30 years, um, that culture that you've been in for 30 years is going to, you know, control what you do professionally. Um, so it's, we had a lot of conversations about, you know, I would like to change this headline and this is why. And it was more of a conversation of, it could have been as fast as I'm going to change this headline to be more social friendly versus having to explain why and then like have it be kind of a larger conversation that is more time consuming than it would be if we could just like easily change that. Um, you know, I have seen in a lot of um, I also interned at, you know, some other publications before that um, and over across the board, um, pivoting to video is a huge thing right now, um, especially in the sense that Facebook is prioritizing video over articles. Um, so newsrooms are trying to teach their, um, and this has been happening for you know ten years, trying to teach their journalists how to, you know, getting them all iPhones and showing them how to create videos um, in order to post them for themselves. Um, and it is hard if someone thinks that you know their job is you know to write. That's why they got into this industry, and now they're video producers, um, and you're taught that in school nowadays that you have to, you know, be a jack of all trades. So that is just a natural part of the job is you learn to do audio and video and photos in social media and write. Um, and so it's kind of hard to just like teach that to someone that has been used to writing and that is their one passion. Um, so I think it's just a culture thing, really, you know, the, the sense that growing up, that was expectations that you would do all of that and that you'd be excited about it. And you can teach yourself through, you know, YouTube and Googling and, whatever versus having to teach that on the job when someone's already been in the newsroom for 30 years. You know, I I think that's so cool because like, even though I said I'm analog, like I like all the things that you can do with stuff. It's like, it doesn't limit you. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I like that, you know, can we change this? And here's why. And just the openness of it. Do you feel like they're, you know, so here I am as an example, like, you know, Megan can come to me. I mean, we're, I don't know how many years difference we are, but uh, 12 or something like that. Yeah. 12 years difference. So, but she can suggest something to me and my curiosity leads me. So I'm already open just by the question. And do you feel like, is it, do you feel like it's more industry? And I'm just, I don't know. Like, do you feel like when those have been in there for 30 years doing this and then they get these things, do you feel like the resistance is greater than the curiosity? To or do you feel it's more of a they feel like maybe they're not going to succeed because it's such a routine for them or to do it a certain way? Yeah. And I, and I will say that there's I mean, um, legacy journalists have so much to teach anyone that's a not a legacy journalist in the sense that they've been, you know, likely they've um, tracked down sources without using Facebook, you know, like they have the reporting skills that I don't think that I could ever have because it's a different industry now. You know, they've worked on stories for three months and had gone, you know, their reporting schools are just so much above any of the reporting schools of anyone that's coming to college right now. So 
And just intrinsically, they do have more um, experience, which is really, really valuable. And that's important to remember too. Um, and I had to make sure that I did remember that when I was in um, a daily newsroom. Um, however, um, it has been an interesting field in journalism that there hasn't been a lot of room to, um, up until really like now I feel, um, to innovate because while um, journalists are, you know, figuring out how to do video and how to get into audio, there's also been revenue stream issues. So it's not like they're given all of the time and um, skills training in the world to be, because I think that the curiosity is there. It's also, you have to get this many pieces out a day. It's also, we don't have um, much, uh, many resources for you. Uh, and this is just because of the the space that Daily News has been. Um, it's not like they're Google and have all of the resources. So it's kind of a double-edged sword because, yeah, curiosity might be there, but um, you still have to write your stories. <laughs> and, and you're supposed to be learning this new stuff as well. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to maybe take us down a little bit of a different track here. Um, so as we're talking about obviously social media and media and in digital, I think that there's so many benefits of progress when it comes to technology and our ability to connect with others and our ability to get and access all of this great information. And I think what you guys are doing with curating that information is really, really great. But I think it's created this false sense of connectivity because, um, you know, there's record numbers of people that are, you know, depressed or um, anxious and, and things like that. But it, with this whole idea of, you know, having, you know, we're so connected, but people necessarily don't feel like those true connections and also just a culture of consumption. We're always, you know, we're consuming information. We're, um, you know, we're, we're doing all of that. How do you keep sort of your individuality and your identity and how do you how do you not lose yourself within this vast realm of all this information and and kind of be able to continue to lead yourself and know when you know enough is enough yeah and that's like actually really hard and something I've struggled with a lot in the sense that you know social media I I have not known a world in my adult life without social media and you know I think I got my Instagram when I was 17 and I got my Facebook when I was you know 18 and um, before that I was on MySpace from the time I was like in sixth grade on um, I got my first cell phone when I was in fifth grade um, and so I really haven't known a world without being connected before that I had AIM you know we'd stay up until the middle of the night you know on AIM which anyone that's my age will be like yeah me too um, and so growing up I really haven't known a world where like I'm bored um, in the sense of I always have something on my, you know, something next to me that I can text, you know, when it was younger with a flip phone, you just text someone. Now I have like the entire internet on my hands. Um, and it, it has gotten to a point where like, you know, uh, phone addiction is like a real thing. You know, whenever you have a second of downtime, you're just scrolling Instagram. Um, and it's led to things like having apps on my phone that will tell me how many times I've opened my phone to try to like control that um, because I can go down a rabbit hole where time that I could have been using to um, let myself have some downtime and to reflect on the day is used just like scrolling Instagram um, out of um, just habit or, you know, feeling anxious. If I'm ever feeling anxious, uh, my impulse is to open up my phone and scroll through Instagram for no reason other than it's something to do and get my mind off of whatever I'm thinking about versus like handling that head on. Um, and I think that that's what happens with a lot of people my age, that there's no end to it. You can scroll forever and then, you know, there's a meme that I've seen where it's like check Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, 
um, scroll for 15 minutes, start over, and there's a whole new timeline for you. Um, so the answer is I haven't really found an answer. Um, there's people out there, you know, that have um, organizations that are focused on, you know, being mindful and being mindful professionals and, you know, trying to figure out how to grow in a positive way, um, which I think is something that is an industry that's created just from an overconsumption of media that it's hard to evaluate where you are and where you want to go when you're constantly bombarded with information. Um, and I feel that too, just the overwhelmness of information that I haven't really figured out how to deal with. Mm. That's really good. I mean, that's, and I appreciate that. That's very honest where a lot of people, it's like, they'll come up with something. No, it's not a problem. You know, it's yeah. like, no, it is. And I love it. They're a real addiction. You can get addicted to anything. You yeah. can get addicted to, you know, I mean, I mean, anything. So, you know, what's really cool is, you know, I can tell, um, I like your, your mind is rapid fire and I love that. It keeps me engaged. So, which is really cool. Um, I'm one of those people I'm thinking all the time. And I can tell that's what your mind's doing. Like, and I can tell also that you are a quality listener. Um, and that's a very lost trait. I know yeah. people that are my age or many years my senior and even younger, they just, they have, they have not really paid attention to listening. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they hear things, um, but it's so selective. Um, but in your world where you are, I kind of want to bring it back into not just what you're doing and knowing your, and I think part of it is knowing what you're doing. Like, you know, your job, you know, why you exist, you know, what the purpose is and you know, what role you're filling. And it's not just knowing your product or your service, but it's also knowing yourself. Mm -hmm. So with all the rapid fire stuff that comes at you, because I mean, literally, like you said, you could literally look at one thing and boop, there's an update. Something's changed. So how do you not lose the quality of listening and not just observing everything and just talking because it's digital world. Like you, you become irrelevant after, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> almost, totally. Right. So, but how do you keep the quality of listening and putting your, what you've heard, putting it out there to where it does have shelf life in such a disposable world of digital media? Yeah. I mean, in a personal sense, you know, like with my personal relationships, you know, with my friends and family and stuff like that, um, I make it a point to not be listening to have a response because I think that it's so easy to do that. And I have done that in the past. Um, but I go to a lot of leadership trainings and I'm stuff like that. And that's something that I've heard a lot, you know, is to make sure that you're listening to listen and not to respond, um, which can be hard in a day where you're supposed to have a personal brand and always, you know, have the right voice. Um, so that's just something me personally. I'm um, a, a like extroverted introvert where I really um, I'm also a Libra. So like I have a sense to want to be like accepted and, you know, want to like have people think that, I, you know, accept me in general. Um, and I think a lot of that um, that comes off in my conversations in the sense that I do want to make sure that people feel accepted um, on the other hand, on the other end of the conversation. Um, so that's part of that. Um, in the digital realm, um, I think since there is so much conversation going on online, um, it almost makes it more important to have whatever you contribute to be of quality. Um, it's, you know, in my personal brand on social media and then in my professional brands, um, there's a stark difference because on my per, uh, professional brands, you know, running the social media for um, GVL or AVL, you know, we have to put out three pieces of Instagram a day. Um, and not all of those are going to be um, reflective and about the growth of the city. They're going to be about, you know, the dumplings that are sold down the street that day or the event that's coming up next week or the the beer that you drink. Um 
or whatever, you know, we create a lot of those posts. But then on my personal social media, um, since I know that I am like on social media for professionally so much, I make sure that my brand uh, personally is who I am as a person. Um, I really like people on social media that are real and that you can connect with. So I try as much as possible to, you know, tell people updates of my life that's like not just egotistical for people to like give me likes or comments. More things, you know, like, this was a hard week or I'm posting this because it made me feel this way, not for the likes. But then it kind of gets into like a hard circle where you feel like you're posting things to be um, real with yourself, but then you're also doing that to look like you're real in order to like have your brand look real. It's um, a really like meta process. <laughs> um, and, you know, there's also thought of why don't you just be like silent online and that be your brand to try to like not be egotistical, but then you still want to connect with people. So it's something I'm trying to figure out like all of the time. I look at my old um, brand socially and it was a lot more. Um, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. Um, and a lot of that comes because I'm excited about my career. Um, but I've learned to like tone that down and try to like connect with people on a personal level, not just in a, um, you know, telling people who I am and what I'm doing. Uh, it's a constant struggle. I think that a lot of people have, um, and some people, uh, I'm surprised that they don't have a personality. My personality is always thinking about these things. And some people, you know, like my boyfriend, he's not on any social. He has um, an Instagram and it's just like full of pictures of leaves because he likes plants. Um, and, you know, he does not think about creating his brands. And I do. And I think it's just a personality thing. I'm an ENFP. Um, I don't know, but it's something I think about all the time. <laughs> and and I find really interesting about that is I've had these conversations with people uh, much older than me, actually. You know, my my dad's uh, cousin. We've had these conversations about your personal brand and what you put on on social media, whether you like it or not, you know, you're building a brand. So I think that that is, that is a really important thing to remember. But I love what you said there. I think whatever you contribute, it should be of quality. It should be of high quality. I think if people wrap their arms around that and took that with them, you know, not just the people who are mindful like you, but if everyone could do that, wouldn't social media be such a better world to be on? Yeah. And it's funny too, because I mean, I've been creating a brand online, whether I knew it or not, since like I said, I was in seventh grade. Um, and that's kind of like crazy to think about, um, how unintentional I was for so many years. You know, I look back and I would post every picture of me and my friends, um, share anything I thought was interesting. And now, um, with so much noise, you just can't do that because you will be unfollowed. Uh, so it's almost like we're forced to be quality more than we used to be, uh, because, uh, there is so much out there. So I don't know if the answer is going to be the same or maybe different, but if you could offer one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Yeah. Um, so I worked way too hard in college. Um, I went out of state my first year of college. My dad's a professor at the, my alma mater um, and in my hometown. So I wanted to not go to that school when I first went to college. However, um, after my first year, I was at Northern Arizona University in Flagstaff. Um, I moved back to go to Colorado State University in Fort Collins, where I'm from. And so I didn't really have like the friends that you would have made in your freshman dorm when I moved back. And so I just had a lot of friends that were my um friends from high school and my old acquaintances. Um, so it kind of set me up to like have a not normal college experience. Um, and then I kind of just like leaned into that and really just focused on my career. I've always been known that I want to be in media and want to be a journalist. I was an editor of our high school paper. Um, and so I had uh, 12 internships in college. I had one every semester all my four years. And I 
you know, had summer summer internships and I even moved to DC for a year or for a semester to have, you know, another internship. And I wrote for the school uh, magazine and before that, the staff uh, newspaper, I had a radio show, actually two radio shows, one was music and one was like interviewing. Um, I didn't have a lot of chill time and my friends of that time will tell you, I did not have a lot of time where like I hung out and watched movies with them after um, school because I was at an internship. Um, and I also didn't have very good grades because I was always like focused on work and not on my schooling. Um, so I would have just told myself to like chill a little bit more and like it, I'm sure I would be here if, even if I didn't spend all that time in those internships. Um, however, I can also look back and say that this one internship led to this one, led to this one, which led me to be at the paper that I was at, which led me to transfer to Greenville, which led me here. So it's kind of one of those hard things. It's like, that probably would be my advice to not be so stressed about my career and to focus so much. But then at the same time, it did get me to where I am. So it's hard to know. I'm thinking about my 17-year-old and I would hear him talk like this, you know, like yeah. the way you are. And I like that because I can tell you're mindful, you're thoughtful. I mean, I know you're getting better at it, right? Yeah. You're, whatever your age is, I mean, that's why I tell people sometimes we're just immature because I'm only this age. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like I haven't, I'm not there yet, you know, but I love the fact that you're really taking time to discover this about you. And I can tell that you're listening to people, you're listening to the universe, like you're paying attention. But I think you're listening to the universe in you. Um, what are some disciplines that you have to listen to your inner voice to help people, you know, because there's a lot of people that struggle with that because what they'll do is they'll they'll offset listen, or they'll stop themselves from listening to what's going on inside them really by trying to distract themselves with all of these, you know, exterior things that are actually not going to be helpful for them. Because those outside things aren't going to determine any direction for them. You know, any GPS will tell you, put in where you want to go, but ultimately you have a starting point. Yeah. So totally. your starting point is the one you need to be listening to. So like, yeah. where are you? Like, you are here. Like, so so how do you cultivate more of listening to where you are? Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of that is finding an identity, which as we've talked about, it's hard to do um, when, you know, you're in your 20s and you're in 2017. Um, but a lot of that has been just from like setting goals and knowing, I don't know, uh, my dad's a mechanical engineer and started a um, environmental think tank in Fort Collins. And it's, you know, um, it's a huge deal in Fort Collins and, you know, it has like 13 nonprofits underneath it. And so he has always, you know, been this person that their career is their passion. Um he has worked tirelessly his whole life to, you know, to be the founder and now director of this organization. Um, and so I saw that growing up, you know, that he was working a lot, but it never felt like work to him. Um, and my sister um, grew up also seeing that. And she's a science teacher um, for an um, underprivileged school. And I grew up knowing that I wanted to kind of have a career that was the same thing that was, you know, never a day of work in your life and just only, you know, it's your passion. Um, and I know that I'm super lucky to have that. Um, drive in me, but it's like totally just from my dad seeing him. Um, so I think that that's one of my major, um, you know, drivers in my life is that everything is, you know, kind of based around passion and how are you going to better the world? Um, it's so easy to, you know, I, I could have a PR or marketing job right now and not saying that PR and marketing is, you know, not um, a valuable um, and passion driven career, but um, I could have one of those jobs and I could probably be making more money and, um, but I would rather do something that, you know, really drives the conversation that I want to have internally, it's, you know, give information to people and give them something that they don't have and, you know, kind of serve in that way through journalism. Um, so that's one of my driving forces is just like having a career that's passionate and that makes me feel 
impassioned my whole life. Um, and that has kind of led me to decide that I was going to be very focused on my career, which led me to work really hard in college and, you know, move across country for a job. Um, so that's, you know, one of those. Um, my dad also is very humble. He will not tell you anything that I told you about how successful what he does is. Um, you know, he gets uh, national awards and doesn't tell anyone. You know, it's his communication associate that has to, you know, tell people. Um, and so also, you know, that humbleness, I think, um, just from like looking at him, um, I really value that. Um, that's a little bit hard in media because you also do have your personal brands where you kind of have to like figure out how to do both at the same time. Um, you know, tell people who you are and what you're doing while also not bragging too much about, you know, what you are doing. Um, and then, um, something else that's really important to me is making sure that I'm sharing that with other people in the sense that, um, mentoring is really important to me. Um, when I was growing up and, you know, trying to figure out what my career looked like, I had a bunch of people that helped me. Um, I also, you know, screwed up a lot and had people that, you know, gave me grace and like helped me. Um, and so now when we hire, you know, two to three interns a year and I try to make sure that I'm, you know, being the most like helpful and humble person to them, um, while also like having friends, um, how can I help them? You know, I've helped with endless cover letters and resumes and, um, you know, advice, um, trying to just like be present in the world with people and help them also see what their passions are. Uh, because for some reason I just like grew up knowing mine, which I know, um, a lot of people don't have, um, which everyone, I think that that's something that everyone's looking for is what is their purpose. Um, so I think that all of those are just like driving factors, uh, for me on the daily. That's very cool. Well, <clears throat> we uh, really appreciate you spending so much time with us and uh, obviously going a little bit off topic on media and sharing a little bit about you and, and who you are. Uh, so I know that our guests are going to want to connect with you. So where can they find you? Yeah. So on social, um, on Instagram, I'm at mayor underscore Wilson. On Instagram, I'm at Mary underscore Wilson. Facebook, Mary Wilson. Um, no, all of those Wilsons have two L's. So it'll be a L-L-S-O-N. Um, and then my brand um, is AVL Today. And that is, the handle is um, at AVL Today on all brands. Um, and you can also subscribe to my newsletter, which launches in February at avltoday.com. Um, and then uh, the brand that I've been at is uh, GVL Today, same handle, and gvltoday.com. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. Uh, once again, Mary Wilson joining us today on UCYP. And we just want to remind you that on this podcast, we have three goals in mind. Number one, we want to elevate the voices of young professionals. We want to also build a bridge between generations, those already ahead and those coming up behind. And of course, last but not least, we want to inspire young professionals to lead. <laughs>